Back to Tesh Matters with Jeff Boggs. Phone lines are open. Reach out and touch Jeff at 367-1240. About a minute before 11 o'clock, our Mellow Joy Coffee time. A pleasure to welcome back to the show, New Iberia Mayor, Freddie DeCord. How are you, sir? I'm good, sir. Pleasure to be here. You know, uh, in, in listening back to Tuesday night's meeting yesterday, I, I, I really felt... Uh, I'm not going to say for the first time in a long time, uh, such a positive vibe yep. of all that is going on, all the wheels uh, that you and the council have got in motion. No, we do have a lot going on, and we had a lot of things to discuss that spilled over into other things. And, yeah, a lot of stuff got highlighted of what we're doing just in our discussions, and it was about a two-and-a-half-hour meeting, so there was a lot of discussion. Uh, no, that's why I love my team. We... Uh, we come together and, and get it done, and, and we're just blessed to have so much going on. There you go. Uh, a lot of that discussion uh, in regard to uh, capital outlay requests and uh, in- interesting discussion around uh, things. Uh, you know, I thought the idea of an overpass over the tracks was pretty much a dead idea, but yet uh, finding a way to keep that discussion going. Yeah, that one surprised me because what happens the last few years, we've left it on the list, and it would be a 30-something million dollar project. The state match alone would be, the city match would be $7 million plus, and that's an old figure. You know, I thought about it after the meeting. Those numbers might even be high. Concrete wasn't $200 a yard then, so those numbers could be antiquated. And so every year I'll have uh, senators or legislators or, you know, people that I have to fool with to lobby or you know, because everybody votes on your stuff, so it's not like one person, you know, carries the water for you. They do, and we have a great delegation, but at the end of the day, everybody's got to vote. And so they look at the total of your community, and they're saying, well, no, our beer's asking for, you know, $40 million. Well, no, I'm asking for $5 million, and the rest of it is the overpass that has been on our list for 17 years, 16 years, since I was the pro tem. So we talked about it, and then uh, it wasn't on the list this year. Mr. Broussard has been, uh, Councilman Broussard has been the big proponent of that from the very beginning. Um, so we compromised and I said, well, why don't we put the engineering on and see, you know, if, if that would be a possibility. Because uh, the weird part about it is you don't think of it, but when you look at the great elevation that you have to build an overpass to, the slope is not that great. If they put it on, you know, it was proposed at one time to go on Lewis Street, I mean, it'd come all the way to Main Street. Uh, so it, it would be this big looming thing. Uh, I was always hoping it would go on, you know, another street that wasn't, you know, now we have the Waffle House come in, we have new construction, things have changed. Uh, some on the other end, you have a convenience store that at one time wasn't there. So things have, you know, are developing around that area. So it would be interesting, but, uh, so yeah, we talked about that. We ended up putting it back, uh, as possibly just the design work to be done. But we talked about our other projects, you know, the Pepperplex. We are continuing to fund that and develop that out, and a lot of great things are going to happen out there. Some already are. The improvements that we've made are uh, um, monumental compared to where we were, but we know that we want to keep going, and this will become our community's flagship for recreation or, you know, one of the many. So we have that coming. We have the new aquatic center the pool which would be which would have an admiral doll address and as we always talk about one of the big factors is the schools would partner with us we would be able to do uh all of their swim meets there 
which is just great for the body count, great for kids using it, great for people coming out, um, plus all the regular, you know, benefits that a community has by having a swimming pool. So that's on the capital outlay list. We have more in the parks. We had some good discussions about what's happening in the parks and where that money's being spent and the many, many projects that we are wrapping up now that are really renovating our two community centers that were, you know, built in the 60s. So uh, this is, in some of the ways, some of the overhauls we're doing now and have been doing. It's the first time some of these things have been touched. So excited about that. All of those things add quality of life. People many times don't really see the shotgun effect that we our team has of we're trying to fix everything at once because if you don't you're not fixing anything if you can't keep people here if you can't keep your citizens engaged and attract new citizens and stop the flight out of here you you to do that you've got to address all issues at once because everything is you know to a point that it's aged or it's just time to renovate or just trying to catch up with the times so uh i think that the many conversations we have at these council meetings that, you know, for the people who are listening and paying attention, you know, we're attacking from all fronts, you know, we're surround. What you do when you're surrounded, you, you charge <laughs> in both directions. Uh, that's about all you can do. But anyway, yeah, good meeting. Uh, talked about a lot of stuff. No doubt. Uh, got uh, a couple of thoughts from Thomas Falgu as well on the chamber of commerce and uh, more, I guess, uh, notably on the gumbo cook-off coming up and, Festival season uh, certainly upon us. Two weeks from today, uh, Sugar King. It's awesome. I mean, and, and those events are, are concentrating more and more in our downtown, which is how they used to be many, many years ago. I think people are excited about that. It helps the businesses. It helps uh, that it's all concentrated in one area. It, uh, I think, adds to the whole experience. But, yeah, festival season is an exciting time for us, and we have so many back-to-back. You know, Sugar King Festival not far after that comes a gumbo cook-off. Not far after that comes a new Halloween parade. And this year, it's in November. I think it's the second weekend in November. We are actually putting together a Bayou Tesh Fest, and it is going to be a car show and boat show in the Bayou. It's at its very early stages, but we are. We did a field trip to Madisonville that attracts about 20,000 people to their wooden boat festival. They opened the doors to us. Uh, shared vendors list, shared everything, kind of told us how to do it. Uh, that will be one of our kickoff events for our new marinas. So we are some in November. city might do in the spring. The uh, literary. literary festival. You know, we have so much stuff. But there are some months and weeks we don't have anything, and I'd like to fill it up. So I'm excited that people are, you know, still getting behind festivals. People, I think, are excited to get out. Uh, get, have something new to do or something different to do. So, uh, yeah, it's a good time of the year. All right. Uh, a couple of resolutions uh, apart from what we've already talked about. Warren White, uh, the Housing Authority yes. of New Iberia. Well, I mean, this, their status, because there had been some, a uh, few years ago, there were some issues uh, around the Housing Authority, it wasn't is, there? Yes, yes. If you remember, the federal government came in, and at one point they're trying to get out of the housing business. So probably five years ago, the federal government came in and wanted me to sign, as many other mayors had done, and then they would demo the units and be out of the housing project in the way that they are now, and then houses would switch to uh, HUD Section 8 programs and HUD programs, other HUD programs. So that was something that I didn't want to do because I didn't want to displace our citizens. 
and many of them, all their support systems here in New Iberia. So if you shift them off to Lafayette or somewhere else, no family, no support system, that just didn't make sense. And why do we want to lose citizens? So I was against doing that, and that led to about three or four years of meetings and visits and all kind of stuff. And many years ago, I educated myself on RAD, where private investors come in and they take these complexes and turn them to private and they get renovated and people have much better housing. So I had actually brought a RAD specialist in probably, probably four years ago now, three for sure, and met with the board and thought that that might be an idea. And at the time, the board didn't see it. Um, I'm very, very happy to report that that is the direction they're going in now. And they have a, I met the person, they very qualified, seems to be a really gun-ho lady that uh, would head up this RAD program and be the investor or be the, you know, the developer, let's put it that way. So I think that they're in the process, things are looking up. They have some, a bright future now. I think that they have a future now. So I'm excited that they are going in that direction because I really thought years ago that was the ticket to, to save it and to, all you want is your citizens to have quality housing. We don't really have anything to do with the housing. Uh, in, we're not in the low-income housing business or in the, uh, you know, that realm, except for the fact that we appoint somebody to the board. We, we do make appointments to the board. And Warren White's just a great community guy. I've known him a long time. You see him everywhere. You go to almost any event, and he's there. And he plays pickleball like crazy. So he's in the parks a lot, too. But uh, good guy. I was excited. Uh, he made it fun, too. We, uh, we had a good time. He cut up, and I think their meetings will be a little more lively that he's there. But I think he's going to contribute a lot. Speaking of pickleball, that was talked about uh, at the Pepperplex. Yeah, we in our new capital outlay, we're building a big pavilion. We need that for opening ceremonies for, you know, baseball, soccer. We see opportunities that that could be rented. We are heading in our master plan to, you know, in – Years to come to do playground equipment, a big playground area, maybe even kind of kicking around the idea of a splash pad. We, uh, we, get a, we get a big giant hill like Monk's Park has because I have some surplus dirt coming from another site, and I thought that would be kind of neat. I watched kids play on that Lafayette and thought it would be, you know, who doesn't like a big hill? thought that would be fun. Uh, Monkey but, Hill at Ottoman yeah, Zoo. Yeah, I thought is, of that one too. You know, it's, it's the highest point, yeah. I think, in New Orleans. Well, we... we, oh. we we're getting tons of dirt coming out of the retention detention pond in Acadian Acres, and the engineers asked me what I wanted to do with it, and I said, I want to make a hill out of it. That's a pepperplex. I think they thought I was crazy, but after you start talking about Monkey Hill or the one in Monkey's Park, they're kind of like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, that's the cheapest play- playground you can get. So you just got to put it the right slope so people can cut the grass. Yeah, we'll uh, be sledding on it someday maybe. Hey, we might. Sure. We might. But uh, at the Pepperplex, under the big pavilion, we did lay it out where we could do five pickleball courts. Excellent. And that is so popular now that, I mean, our gyms, people constantly would like us to even be able to do more. We found some slabs outside, no tennis courts that we are going to mark up and make those pickleball courts. But I think five covered ones at the Pepperplex, you know, it adds a new interest. When we're spending this money, we took over the Pepperplex. It is a city facility now. We need to do everything we can that, you know, attracting travel ball is one factor that is economic development that does bring in money, that does bring to hotels and restaurants and gas stations and everything else. But my focus is, you know, 
always going to be on our citizens and always be on our quality of life. So all these things we can sneak in and add and we have property to do it, um, I think is going to do nothing but enhance the whole experience. Yeah. I think a uh, uh, headline in, I think it was today's paper. I didn't uh, see the paper today. Um, where it suggested that the road problems at the Pepperplex have been fixed as of Tuesday's meeting. Uh, well, well, maybe that, a little optimistic that, that's there. a little fast there, okay, but, yeah. but we're in the process. Knew uh, we needed another way out. I think I've talked about this before. I, the PD wanted to invest in our children, wanted, had some money this year that they might not have again in a budget, but saw the need and also looked at some self-preservation if we're going to do our jobs as uh, a police department having two officers on overtime in the street on highway 14 which is a very very busy highway uh and only going to get busier having them in the street directing traffic every time the pepperplex has a function and many many times on overtime because i can't take people off of shifts was going to cost a fortune when the pd realized that within five years they could pay for it by ponying up the money and finding us a way we thought originally to buy a light so got with dotd tried to buy a light a light's about 400 to 500,000 and when you include the study dotd informed me they were not couldn't be a progressive agency they can only work off of data so we didn't have 150 left turns a day and we didn't have a bunch of accidents and we didn't have any fatalities so they wouldn't allow the city of new iberia to buy its own light so with that out the window, I got very aggravated. And look, that's always good. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's motivation, okay? So I went out there. Bayrod and Habits, our, one of our engineering firms, had done a study years ago. I pulled it up. And they had roads out. You know, they went all the way to St. Jude. They went to Jefferson Island Highway. They went to all kind of— that, that really piqued my interest because I always thought it would be great to have a connector from Jefferson Island yeah. to the yeah, Pepper Yeah, but it is very far. Yeah. And we can't afford that. So trying to figure something out. How about a path, a bike path yeah. or something? At some point, now you see, that that we could accomplish, but not for cars gotcha. and gotcha. drainage and bridges and all this stuff that it would take. So got on a four-wheeler and just said, we got to find a way. Uh, don't give up easy. And then once you get me fired up, I'm not going to give up. So I realized that if we put two double barrels, so big giant box culverts to go through one ditch, we could get to the back of Lowe's. The property's all overgrown, and then there is a retention pond for Lowe's. But you could path it out, and you could make it to Queen City, where there's light. In addition to that, on the other end, my other problem was, besides all of that, and I didn't own a property, and I had to figure it out if it would work. On the other end, I had to go under Clico's right-of-way of some power lines, and normally they're not too keen on you building anything under their power line. So over the course of about three months, I got Clico to give us permission, tracked down the property owners in Florida, started negotiating, of course, only contingent upon the council's approval because without my team, I can't do anything. Uh, worked that through. The price was too high. So came up with my normal kind of idea and said, hey, look, that first lot on Queen City, it's one acre. Cut that puppy off. I don't need it. Now give it to me for the money that I can afford, and you keep that one lot, and you're going to have a lot of traffic coming by there, and you have sewer right there, and you have a paved road. So keep that one lot and then sell that for something to be, you know, retail, jobs, taxes. I mean, I'm thinking ahead. Um, it, it has a value. 
So that's how I got the price to what, you know, the money we had. And of course, I met with contractors and an engineer and figured out how much all this was going to cost. And it looks like we can pull it all off. So brought it to the council, like I always do, like I have to do. And the council sees the wisdom in it. And that would give us out to Sucrose. That would, uh, out, we still have the outfall at Sucrose. You can still come and go from Sucrose. That'll never stop. But now you can go to Queen City and get to a light. Comes out to about 2,000 feet of 20 foot wide limestone drive and we call it a private drive it will have a gate at the end of queen city i don't need i don't want people getting into our park we have gates at the entrances now so that'll be locked and unlocked when we uh the park is open and that way you'll be able to come and go and you can leave when we have because if you have a, a travel ball tournament which we will be having when you have those and people are caught for 25, 30 minutes on Sucrose with no light, they're not coming back. I mean, this gives us, splits the traffic, lets some people still go that way, lets people get to a light at Queen City, and we'll keep the traffic flowing in and out of the park. So it's, it's definitely, we knew it was a necessity, and until we ran out of options, we didn't know how we were going to accomplish it. First problem was always money. And as we've started, once we took over, that was a big decision, do we, Spent a half a million dollars on a light, never realizing that DOTD would just say, no, no, -hmm. you can't. But we had decided the park needed so much. Let's get the park going. And but that has to be a priority. And so I didn't want to wait. Um, And it just looks like it's going to work out. We have one or two more steps. The council will approve it final as an ordinance at the next meeting. Uh, That gives me the authority. I could sign contingent upon council approval. I'm supposed to be getting the signatures of the owners from Florida this week. So I would have that. And then once the council approves it, well, then I'm entered into the money tax fund and then to the property. I think that it solves a a very big problem and one that, you know, we thought of a kind of a little bit more creative way to get it done. Um, There's still other options. And in the future, there are areas I'd love to see some roads connect and, and get some things that, give us for future development potential but for now that solves our problem our immediate problem up for final adoption at the next meeting yes yes yeah that's what i was thinking and uh also talked a little bit about the uh sewage plant and raising the price uh for outside sewage uh, from the parish yes yes we uh they have about no more than two more years left on the current contract but the parish is over the flow limit and there's a flow limit and a capacity limit, two different sections of the contract. And because they were over the flow limit, that's not their fault. It's just, I mean, they're growing. Things are coming in too fast, and it was actually affecting the uh, function of the plant. So we noticed we had a problem about 18 months ago. We had meetings with the parish. We let them know. We let IDF know that there's going to come a point in time. We didn't know when, but there's going to come a point in time where we're not going to be able to take any more sewer and that's going to really you know put the hiatus on possibly on development none of us want that so we've been working through it and talking about it for a while and then here comes first solar and like i said i Mm -hmm. when i brought this up that wasn't even you know an idea and they would bring between six hundred thousand gallons a day to our plant to maybe up to nine hundred what is that from from all of their manufacturing of the solar panels. They use tons. I mean, they have to have their own water plant out there. They use so much water. And the water has to be 
of this really, really, and I, don't, I only know all of this from the last month because that's not my deal. That's not, uh, I wasn't really involved in, in any of it, but, you know, I'm learning. And so the water has to be really pure. They're going to have their own water plant. They're going to have to do treatment on the backside before they send it to us. They would pre-treat it to get all of the metals and all of the stuff in there processed down to what's acceptable for our plant. But when that was coming, that really became a catalyst because, you know, this company would be coming in and investing and then only have, takes two years to build it. So they wouldn't even have a contract for their sewer for very long, if at all, once they were operational. So it, it kind of moved to the forefront for everybody. And we've been going back and forth and this was the first step. So again, the team's got to approve what I'm doing. So we got with our auditors, our auditors came up with the figures and says you can't lose that we have a state statute and a city ordinance that you can't lose money as a utility we all know that the sewer plant does not make any money uh this helps close the gap a little bit but um we i let them put the numbers together they did and then once it was all finished as a cross check we compared it to what our citizens pay and the numbers very very close to the same thing so it kind of boils down to, for 15 years, the parish got a discount and got really cheap, below-our-cost sewer. Mm-hmm. And so now we say, you know, you need to come up to what our citizens, because if you look at it one way, the taxpayers of New Iberia have paid for that entire system. And so it's only fair that anybody else who comes into that system should pay the same thing. Um, so we put it together and uh, been going back and forth with the parish president and so it's uh, with them now. Uh, the parish president got a copy of it before the council did because I thought, out of respect, you know, that needed to happen. And then we brought it to the council. We had good positive feedback. We'll have one more meeting to adopt that as an ordinance, which gives me the authority to, to move forward. But it's a big step um, in the future, and I really think that a lot of uh, participating, ancillary, whatever you want to call them, businesses that will do business with first solar or you know the ul deal that's coming in a couple of years you're going to have businesses that you know cater to them or want to be there for their services so i think at some point we will be adding on to the sewer plant and really the city's not capable of growing enough to need that it's going to be the parish and that's a great problem to have so we even put a formula basically can't tell you what that price would be because we don't know when it will be. You know, the way costs have escalated in construction over the last few years, I can't even guess. So basically, at that point, they would pay the engineering, they would pay the construction costs, they would pay the finance charges for us to go out and bond money to do it, and that's how the next rate would be calculated when and if the parish needs it. But I want them to need it. I mean, look, if the parish grows, the city grows. We, yeah. We're all in this together. But I think we're addressing those issues for long term, which which I think is a positive thing. Yeah, no doubt. And um, I'm taking a look at uh, the agenda. What else? Another uh, uh, active donation by the city uh, and 5K property. Oh, that's um, a, the, that's really a neat thing. The little Brooklyn neighborhood. No, no, that's where uh, Bill Dore is donating the property on Hopkins Street right after the railroad track, mm-hmm. and a million-dollar check to develop it. And our plan is to try to leverage that money to increase its, you know, horsepower. 
uh, if you got a grant for 20%, you'd have $5 million instead of a million. So we're looking into that as soon as we own it. We will uh, – UL has been hired. Uh, Jeffrey Stewart and his team, he runs the Light Center at UL. They're actually every Wednesday doing a workshop. I went yesterday for the opening one, and there were 25 people there good, from good. the West End. And what that is doing is promoting entrepreneurship and new businesses. And at the same time, as a little caveat, I will get some community feedback of what might occur on that property. The long-term goal is to develop it, to make it have an income, and then to donate the property and the development to Hopkins Street Economic Development District, which is a public body and a taxing body if they want to be. But they would have some income to keep marching up Hopkins Street or, you know, every, everywhere else in that district that they choose to, to foster more development. So I see it as a way that you would end up with some development there, some entity, and I don't know what yet, that would pay rent, and that rent would give Hopkins Street Economic Development cash flow. So that's my hope. Uh, meeting with Mr. Bill Dore, which is always a pleasure. That guy is a, a, just a spark plug, man. He's he's what a great success story from here and has just you know accomplished so much in his business careers so very generously to donate the property and a million dollars that that doesn't happen very often uh, like never yeah but, uh, again yeah. the extra million to, yeah that's to help the, the that's cause the you know that's that's the ticket and so you know meeting with him and getting his feedback and and he's excited about it and thinks that we'll be able to accomplish something and likes where we're heading so uh, I'm excited about that. I mean, that's an area of town that we, we need to focus on, and, and what a way to kick it off. Gotcha. So the idea that the agenda item references Little Brooklyn neighborhood, that's a uh, that must be, uh, And it must be on the wrong one because we talked about Bill Dory. Yeah. 5K, yeah. That, that must be Little Brooklyn. Well, I wish I had my packet now because uh, we, we're not – we haven't donated – we haven't accepted the donation on the Henry Street project yet. They had some questions about the design, so we sent the design over, and the owner who would donate the property and the Little Brooklyn group is reviewing it, and Little Brooklyn kind of already came back with a few comments, and all of them look like you know we can incorporate that in. Gotcha. Uh, but that one's coming. That's already funded through uh, capital outlay, and hopefully we'll be moving quickly as soon as the owner says, I'm cool with what y'all are doing. Uh, that one will kick off. Gotcha. And uh, I, I, this is one portion of the meeting I didn't hear, but there was a lot of discussion two weeks ago about uh, having someone appear if they were going to be uh, approved for a border commission, and you discussed uh, that yeah. uh, a little bit yesterday. I brought it up because, Tuesday. yes, a couple of meetings in a row, we were appointing somebody and they didn't show up. They ended up being appointed anyway. We had an unwritten rule that we wanted people to come, but it wasn't really like an adopted rule. So, you know, part of being the mayor is trying to stop anything or correct anything that you see that is going to divide your team. So I immediately said, oh, I'm bringing that to the next meeting. So I brought it and said, what do y'all want to do? Do y'all want to make it a rule, pass an ordinance, or add it to our collection of rules? Because we do have a little rules we've adopted since I've been the mayor. So do we add that to those rules? Do we adopt this? And so the consensus was we, we needed to adopt it. Not, it wasn't unanimous, I don't think, but it was, you know, everybody wanted to do something. What they wanted to do was a little different. And then the ideas, which is fun, the ideas still come in. 
I actually was almost late here today because we had our ordinance meeting. Starts at 9 and goes till 10, but like today it was almost 11. We were still in there. And so, uh, and that's just the group of us that kicks around. So we, our clerk had drawn up, Laney had drawn up an ordinance uh, that you would have to be there. And then when I left, that was the last item on the agenda, and they were discussing it when I left. So that'll be coming to the council in what format, I'm not sure, because people had various ideas. Um, the bulk of the ordinance meeting today was we talked about finding landlords who own residential property. We talked about that in a meeting. They pile all their trash right, out. Right. So we're trying to figure that one out. That one is very complicated. Uh, Jimmy Landry came in my office while the meeting was going on with this new pile of trash that appeared on Charles Street that is terrible. And when you dig in it, it came from Julia Street. Mm. But when you go over there, you know, it's going to be the same old story. I can't prove I'm going, to good, I'm going to send an officer to go knock on the door and say, why is this addressing your trash? And I can't prove that they did or didn't dump it there. But can't prove is the, you know, the, the mm -hmm. common denominator. So I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. So that turned into an hour discussion of what's a bad pile of trash and what's a good one. And the big problems that I'm having is, just like with gardens before, if you're a business, you need to get a dumpster. I have some businesses who refuse to, and they put trash out. And so we're trying to figure a way to deal with them because Pelican's contract is based on the house count. 11,000 house, 11, households in the city, just like gardens was before. That's why they don't pick up on empty lots. They, you know, they don't have to pick up these mixed piles that people keep giving me that is trash and recyclables and trees and every kind of appliance and everything all mixed up and clothes. So Pelicans is not wrong by the contract. I'm spending tons of money with public works, picking up piles. Like I'll probably have to go pick up the one on Charles street. I have a call in to see if Pelicans will go pick it up, but you can look at it. It's all mixed up. Nothing's bagged. It's like somebody just showed up in the middle of the night and threw all this out. So that is one of our biggest problems, but it's not as easy as you would think. You know, I'm looking for a solution in an ordinance that I can put it on your taxes at the end of the year if you didn't pick it up. But it's not, you know, you could use our junk ordinance. That takes 15 days. I can't have a pile of bunch of stuff in front of a house that's, you know, unsightly in the middle of a neighborhood for 15 days. So what happens is we, we cave and go pick it up. Well, now we're starting to feel we're making it too easy for the offenders. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes Pelicans will still pick it up, even though it's not in their contract. And I have to say they've done quite a lot of that. But I can't count on that, that you know, every time it's going to happen. So that, that took a big discussion this morning. But that, that'll be coming back, too. But that's what the Ordinance Committee does. Is, it's not a committee. It's just a meeting. And they go through things, and we kind of kick around they all end up at the council, but uh, anyway, so that was our discussion this morning. Yeah. Pe Pelican has missed my house enough to make up for the well, extra and, things and, they and do. And they seem to be <laughs> doing better on the garbage. They, I they still are. have issues on the bulky waste, Yeah, and the bulky waste is so out of control. And again, that was part of the discussion this morning. I think we're making it too easy. I think people aren't being fined, and, they, and the stuff's still getting picked up. And they don't realize how much public works and what that costs. I'm not set up to be the garbage man. You know, we are spending $100,000 a year, and my men could be doing other work, and they go and play garbage man in a setup that we're not set up to do, so it's gross. Um, you know, it's not easy for them because we're dealing with garbage that we normally don't deal with, and it's not bagged or anything else. So it is something you will continue to hear about. Um, 
but just part of the show. There you go. Any, uh, that was pretty much the uh, agenda. Yeah. Any uh, uh, reminders uh, about an upcoming uh, election? <laughs> well, yeah, get out and vote. And uh, I've been on the corner about the roads. I was, I was out yesterday for two to four. What I've been doing is taking a picture of the sign. I, I mean, I have a real job. I love doing that. It's fun. I got knocked on Facebook that I could that could find better things. I could find better things to do with my time. You know, uh, I manage it. Like yesterday, I hadn't planned on going out, and two meetings canceled in the afternoon. One person was sick, and the other one asked if they could move the meeting. So I realized I had a window from two to four. So at lunchtime, I went and took a picture of my little talk to the mayor about the street sign where I'm going to be. Then they posted on Facebook, and then I head out. I'm not really blocking out because, you know, I do have a whole lot going on. But I'm hoping to do that and have been two days a week up until the election. And yesterday, probably seven people stopped. Uh, it does raise awareness because people are blowing the horn. And then I love my town. We're still small enough that people see me and then they have my phone number. So they start texting me. Some of them harass me, but it's okay. And so they text me while I'm on the street watching them ride by. Uh, people put the window down. Few of them weren't nice. Few of them heckled me. It's okay. Uh, I got the bird shot at me once so far, so I just shot it back and went about my business, you know? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I am who I am. But for the most part, a lot of positive. And the good thing is people are coming that have questions. They're coming. I voted no and, you know, tell me about this. One of the new ones, if you look at the new description, and all millages have that on it, a portion of the millage goes to the state goes to the retirement fund. It's the state reti retirement fund. That is a state law. It's .0025. It's almost nothing. But on every millage across the state and every community, that's collected. So they put it on the description. Well, you know, kudos to people. I've had two people call me and say, you know, I want to vote for it. I see what you're doing on the streets now with the money you're spending now. Uh, we know our streets need it, but what about this retirement system thing? Because I think they thought the city had done yeah, that. Okay, yeah. well, that's a state law. I can't get out of that, and it is minuscule. Um, and every millage pays that tax, if you will. So that that was good. That was a couple of people that voted no last time that, you know, said they would vote yes. Um, it, so it's effective. It works. I mean, people are seeing it. We're raising awareness. Um, our road program is going well again, and the contract is back on site, and, and he's working as I wish he wouldn't have left for a month and a half. But the streets we're doing with the 12.5, and 12.5 is paid for with the 1960 sales tax. This would be a millage that is not a new millage. It will just replace another millage, so the tax burden will not increase. It will go from paying for sewer to paying for roads, so it's not a new tax burden. Well, someone pointed out to me yesterday how that was neat that I had half the money of the roads coming from sales tax, so everybody paid, and then the other half was a millage that at least didn't increase our millages. Then I had another gentleman come yesterday and he goes, you realize, you realize that that millage you're working off of is from 1960? I said, yeah, it's 63 years old. And he said, is, I said, that's the major horsepower for the city. That's the major area we get money. And they're like, and that fee was set 63 years ago. And I said, yeah, but I mean, we're working with it. Um, so I hadn't really stopped and th always called it the 1960 tax, and I never really st stopped and thought of, you know, how much things have changed and gone up and how much expenses has changed since 1960, yet we're operating off of, of our main millage. You know, thanks God yeah. for, you know, and that's all a, a sales tax, the uh, 1960 sales tax. 
our millages have changed some and people have proposed new millages as, as I'm doing here where I'm just trying to swap one for the other but that sales tax you know hasn't changed since 1960 um, that that was kind of interesting to me yeah but uh, but it's good all those conversations are good positive had another guy come and say well when you were the pro tem you, you recently I've heard you on the radio say that you doing something new and different and trying to do it and attack it from two different areas and you know, most mayors did one road program and then stopped because the sales tax couldn't afford another one. So he started jumping me why I didn't do that when I was the pro tem. You, you're only one vote then. Well, I said, look, dude, I said, I remember <laughs> mentioning it. I said, I can tell you list and list of the things I'm doing. I, I would, you know, have conversations about it and it didn't go anywhere. I said, well, you don't think I didn't learn anything. That was I was the pro tem almost 20 years ago when I started. If you don't think I didn't learn something since then, number one and number two, Go sit in that seat every day when you got to pay all the bills and you got 250 employees and everything is now your problem. It is a little bit different. And, and there is some on-the-job learning experience that you either sink or swim pretty quick. So, uh, but I got a kick out of that. I hadn't really thought of that, that, you know, uh, some people are going to say, well, oh, you were in government, so you, you should have fixed everything already. So that, that's kind of interesting. I, uh, I got a kick out of that. Made me think about that all afternoon. Uh, even talked to a couple of other pro tims and said, hey, you know, how, how should we have fixed everything? I mean, you can't. You're not, you don't have the same perspective. You don't have the same experience. But, uh, but it's fun. It's fun to do that. All right. Anything else uh, you want to no, add before uh, we let you go? The uh, Fulton Street should be open by the weekend. I'm going to leave here. I'm going to check. We had some concrete. We tried to bore under the road. No, not right here. Yes, for some utilities, and the bore wouldn't go through. So we ended up having to score and break the street. So it actually was like a not, not anticipated. So it's been closed all this week. I'm hoping they pour the concrete today. Uh, we're going to do that high early concrete with all that calcium chloride in it. So it'll, I won't have to take the whole seven days for it to cure. But uh, by next week, that should be open. But that was one that I hadn't anticipated. Um, no, other than that, I'll see you in a couple of weeks.